And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we're back. Another episode of Startup Hustle. Matt DeCourcy here, hoping to have another conversation that helps your business grow. So what is digital marketing? You've heard about it. You probably do it. If you don't, you probably should. That is what we are going to talk about during today's episode of Startup Hustle. Now, before we do that, I want to let you know that today's episode of Startup Hustle is brought to you by Our Crowd. Do you wish you were in on some of the best performing IPOs of 2019 and 2020? The Our, Our Crowd investors were. And now you can join them. And what's next? With Our Crowd, accredited investors have access to invest directly, easily, and importantly, early. Our Crowd investors have benefited from Our Crowd companies, IPOing like Beyond Meat or being bought and acquired by companies like Intel, Nike, Microsoft, and Oracle. Go down to the show notes, ourcrowd.com forward slash hustle. It's free to sign up. Go check it out. It's pretty cool what they're doing. Maybe even put your startup in there and see if they'll help you get funded. With me today, I've got Eric Schwartzman. Eric's a digital marketing consultant out of Santa Monica, California, and with Schwartzman and Associates. Eric, what's up? Good to see you, man. How you doing? I'm doing great. And, you know, for those watching on the live stream, Eric dazzled me with technology and magic. He looks like he's in such a sunnier and more beautiful place than I'm at. But, yeah, I'm looking forward to, to learning more about you, about what your company does, and talking about digital marketing. This is a very popular subject on the show. Well, I'm a big fan of Oklahoma City because uh, I, I'm a, an Oklahoma Joes fan. But I'm in Kansas City where Oklahoma Joes is. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. You know, to us, Oklahoma. <laughs> Which, by, by the way, Eric, they changed the name. It's it's not Oklahoma Joe's anymore. It's now Joe's on the West Kansas Coast, City. man. It's all the same thing. Sorry, no offense. But 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 no. But it's funny that you say that because you know you talk about digital marketing and branding and other stuff. So Oklahoma, for those of you, and so many of our listeners aren't in Kansas City. We're really known for our barbecue, and we have a really famous restaurant here called Oklahoma Joe's. That said. It's in Kansas City, and there isn't one in Oklahoma, so they did change the name. Yeah, great stuff. It's right up the street. I might go get some this afternoon now that you bring it up. So, uh, but yeah, from a digital marketing perspective, they were that was one of their concerns, uh, both changing the name and also how they were marketing it. So, yeah, I got gotta love the barbecue. So, Eric, t tell me a little bit more before we get started. What's a little bit more about your backstory as a digital marketing consultant and what you guys are doing out there in Santa Monica? So I basically started in public relations. I was in PR at the biggest entertainment PR firm in the world, worked on the Grammys, Academy Awards, Olympics, you know, the biggest media events. Uh, that led to uh, the internet. And uh, I launched a company called iPressroom, which was the first newsroom management service for non-technical people. Built that up, sold it, uh, wrote a bestseller on B2B digital marketing, uh, consulted for the U.S. Department of State, U.S. Department of Defense, Xerox, Boeing, Johnson & Johnson, big companies, flew all over the world, 
And uh, now I'm writing my second book, uh, which is called The Digital Pivot. And it's a book designed to make uh, digital marketing accessible to uh, small and mid-sized companies that maybe aren't in the tech bubble. So, you know, I, I like to always start from square one. We got to talk about what we're talking about. So when, you know, when you define what is digital marketing, how do you do that? So I break it down into four classes of media. And those classes are owned media, shared or social media, earned media and paid media. And I believe there is a logical sequence to how small and mid-sized companies should be using them to market themselves in digital venues. So, you know, I think, and, and that's a great description because I think a lot of people just think of digital marketing as, hey, let's do social media ads. And totally. there's a lot more to it than that. Now, according to our amazing research team, they defined, they, they listed the definition of digital marketing as the component of marketing that utilizes internet and online-based digital technologies, such as desktop computers, mobile phones, and other digital media and platforms to promote products and services. I think that's a, 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 a 101 yeah. kind of definition of what it is, but every, everything's digital now. Right, yeah, exactly. Everything's digital now. Everything's digital now. So that's that was a good definition when there was offline marketing that mattered. And I guess there still is, but uh, I would say, you know, digital is now part of everything. And it used to be like at newspapers and at news agencies, there was a digital beat, not anymore. You know, now digital makes its way into the reporting of everything from wars to business to sports. Yeah, I think when it comes to digital marketing, you know, there's a different approach. You mentioned having all these different categories, and I want to talk about some of those because I think that's pretty interesting. Everything from like earned PR, which is someone doing a story on you. Like in some ways, this is earned PR for Schwartzman and Associates, which you can find a link in the show notes to. No, but, you know, there's a lot. Yeah, and there are a lot of different approaches. So do you mind? Let's talk about your four categories. Yeah, let's that? walk through it. Okay, so have you ever yeah, heard of yeah. Maslow's hierarchy of needs? I am very self-actualized on some days, so yes. So so the top of, of this hierarchy of needs, a hierarchy assumes that you have to achieve things in, in a logical order. There's a sequence. And so you become self-actualized at the top of the hierarchy, but that's not where you start, right? You start by meeting your basic needs, food, shelter, security. And I believe there's also a logical order to digital marketing. And you can almost figure out where you are on that hierarchy based on your corporate evolution. So if you're a startup, you have one set of needs. If you're a change up trying to find a product market fit, you have a different set of needs. If you're a scale up that's found a fit and is looking to you know, grow, you found a you have another set of needs. And if you're a grown up, if you've already reached the size that you want to reach and now it's about incremental growth, you know, you have a different set of needs. And if you map out those four different categories that we talked about, own media, shared media, earned media and paid media, I believe they actually should be implemented in that order. And if you'd like, I can tell you why. Please, uh, please. So the floor is yours, you, sir. you said right, that a lot of people go to social first because social is easiest and they figure digital marketing is just getting onto Facebook and LinkedIn and sharing stuff. But the truth is it starts with owned media. Not, a, not enough people think about owned media. What is owned media? media? Owned media is media that you own. You don't own your profile on Facebook or LinkedIn, 
right? The only thing you really own is, well, you own this podcast and you own your website and you own your blog, right? And, and what's different about own media is that you control the layout of the page. You control what goes where. And whoever controls the layout controls the payout, right? If you are advertising yourself on LinkedIn or on Facebook, you get to be there for free and share content for free because you're the product. And the idea is for you to fill this content pipeline for them so they can sell advertising to their advertisers. But on your own site, you can use your editorial content to strike your own conversion. And then you have to think about what that conversion is, right? What is the path to purchase? Because if there's no owned media that's optimized and there's no path to purchase, why are you bothering spending time on social media? You've got nothing to sell. You're out there maybe building, I don't know, your name or your brand, but at the end of the day, there's no conversion opportunity. So I believe square one is own media, right? Once you've got own media, right? In the old days, you might say, oh, well, let's do some PR. Well, the first thing someone's going to do if I pitch you to an outlet is they're going to say, let me check this guy out. They're going to go to your own media, right? Does it suck? Have you written some stories? Are you interesting? You got to clear that first hurdle, that hurdle first. The second thing they're going to look for is how many followers you have. And you don't have to have a gazillion followers, but you just have to have enough so that I know that you're real. So really stage two is, is, is social media, shared media. It's getting enough followers that someone can look at you and get proof that what you say actually resonates with the community. And then once you've got those two bases covered, then you go to earn media. Because then when I pitch you, someone can go to your website, see that you're real. They can see that you've got some followers. If I want to pitch a guest, uh, a guest post from you to write on their outlet, uh, an opinion piece, you know, they can qualify that you know how to write. That's when you go to earn media. And earn media is really the most exciting because it has the most potential for virality and growth, right? Because when other people say things about you, that's an implied third-party testimonial. That's an endorsement. And of course, we trust what other people say about you more than what you say about yourself. But again, there is an order, right? And it starts with own media, then it goes to shared media, then it goes to earned media. So, you know, one of the things that I've, I've talked to a lot of people about when it comes to building a social following is that it's not easy. I mean, it's really not. And I think it was in many ways easier years ago because people were a little more apt to just kind of follow lots of things. There's a lot of uh, pickiness and uh, I don't know, it's almost like, have you earned my follow? Have you earned my subscription? Um, it, yeah, I can see where the owned media and you, know, you you go back to owned media. If you don't look like you're in the business of saying whatever it is that you do, like if you, like it, it, I hear people, well, I don't have a website. Dude, it's 2021. How do you not have a website? Like everybody has a website. They're like, well, I use my Facebook page. That doesn't scream that you're a, a titan of industry and in whatever you do, but it's really important to have your owned media make sense, look professional, be slick, be smooth, have that some type of content or thumbs up that matters because a, everything does point back to that own media. Like you can have the most brilliant uh, uh, Facebook advertising campaign ever created by a human. And if you lead it to a terrible, terrible owned media, anything, it's over. 
I mean, so how do, how does someone that doesn't know what the hell they're doing have any understanding on whether or not their owned media is good before they're trying? Like, I see people. I guess what I'm trying to say is, I see people trying to build big followings, and they're not even doing the most basics first. So I love the order that you put this in. But how do you know if your own media is any good? So, so let me just say there are foundational digital marketing skills, and there are digital marketing specialties. Okay. Yeah. And I would say that, uh, you know, digital analytics, being able to get insights about what your customers like and don't like is a foundational skill. You know, I would say that search engine optimization keyword research is a foundational skill because it informs everything you do. And so I would say if you're just starting out, right, what you want is a topical focus, right? You want to typecast yourself. You want to be known as one thing. And you want to be disciplined and stick to that one thing, because if you're known as the go-to for one narrow class of information, that's how you get followers and that's how you get repeat visits, right? So really, it's about choosing a topical category based on keyword research. And how do you do that? Well, it's pretty simple. You ask yourself, what is the problem that I solve for customers, right? What problem or customers searching online where if they found me, I would resolve that problem for them. I would provide them with the solution. And you start by creating content about that, sharing content about that. You talk about building a social following. It's all about the content. You've got to have something to share. If you just share other people, other people's stuff all the time, I guess if it's really good stuff and it's narrow focus from a topic uh, category, you might be able to build your personal brand as a thought leader in that category. But ultimately, you've got to weigh in with your own content, right? It's not enough to be a me too that regurgitates other people's content and jumps on the bandwagon. You've got to lead with new ideas. That's what thought leadership is about. You've got to have the guts to put new ideas out there that resonate, that reflect your way of thinking. You know, for me, it's this digital pivot program that goes from owned to shared to earned to paid, uh, that dovetails with uh, Maslow's hierarchy of needs from a, a startup, change up, scale up, and grown up standpoint. And that's my thought leadership that I use to guide small and mid-sized businesses through the digital marketing process. So, you know, the, the term content, air quotes around that is, is so hot, you know, you get, and, and honestly, I don't, I'm not a, a, like a huge Gary Vee follower, but I hear everyone quoting, no, oh, you need to pr produce 60 pieces of content every day, which by the way, is doable. If you have a top level strategy, you have an idea of how you're going to, you know, a blog turns into a video, turns into different posts, turns into infographics, turns into a podcast subject right. and stuff like that. But from the from the beginners or the someone who hasn't done this stuff, um, you know, what's the with, with content? I, I, the advice I give people is like, you got to start like kind of like you said, you got to get good at one thing, like whether that's a podcast or a blog or anything like that, like focus on creating quality content that teaches someone you need to teach them how to get something they want. You have to entertain them, perhaps. Uh, thought leadership is great. Sometimes it's just like overall, like it, a little empathy. I mean, one of the, the, the biggest forms of feedback we've received from our listeners on this show is that we're not afraid to talk about failure. And, it, and I, at first, I thought people liked the train wreck. No, they actually like to feel like it's not just them. 
And so, you know, where do you draw the line with this like transparent, like, okay, in the world of social media, everyone's Superman, everyone's Wonder Woman, uh, everyone has jets and Lambos and nothing ever goes wrong. But I think that's bullshit. And I think more people are going to wrap their arms around your message if you actually humanize yourself. I I had this idea to do a series. I never did it, but I had an idea to do a series of Instagram posts around the most mundane things. Like, you know, just found a parking space and myself (laughs) or, or holding up a razor, just bought a new razor, you know, because it's true, right. Or doing my laundry, you know, picture of you by, by the laundry, because it's true, you know, um, social media is the greatest hits, but really I think you have to match the media to the message. So if you're a B2B and you've got a complex sale that requires some education, I honestly don't think social is that important for you. I think you should probably focus on search and email. You know, if you're a uh, impulse buy and maybe then social media is the way to go. Or if you're a visual purchase where visual information sells what you've got, social media could be a good way to go. If you're trying to uh, build awareness for a SaaS product that's low cost, uh, social media could be a good way to go. So I don't necessarily think it's just about, you know, getting good at a specific media channel as it is getting a topical focus and then maybe perfecting that over the media channel. Do, do you think you can over over specify? Because one of the things is like, obviously, is the host of this podcast and it's been successful. And thank you for everyone that's listening. But I I find myself doling out a lot of advice about how to start a podcast. And I often tell people, I'm like, you want to be niche enough that, you know, like you said, that you're focused, but not so far down the funnel that you're going to run out of shit to talk about on episode six. Well, you never really run out because you can talk about the same thing over and over again with different people. And so I would sure. say it really has to do with the size of the audience that you're after. Like if you told me, hey, I want as many listeners as, as possible, then I would agree with you. But if you said, hey, I want to talk to uh, uh, yak farmers in Idaho, then, you know, and 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 you may say, well, who would want to do that? Well, I can think of like a company, there's a company out there that sells solder paste. You know what solder paste is? I have a basic idea. It's that it's the little dollops of metal that attach components to circuit yeah. boards. Right. Right. So not a lot of customers for solder paste. So if I were to say, I, I want to launch a podcast for solder paste, then obviously I want to go narrow, right? And you would say, well, why would you want to do that? There aren't that many people that listen. And I would say, well, yeah, there aren't that many people that listen, but those that do back up the truck. So I, it's yeah, okay yeah, yeah. if I'm talking to six people because they can make or break my business. Yeah. And that's, and you know, I, I usually trail that with, it's about who's listening, not about how many people are listening. Uh, it's, there's. Uh, you know, I, I think that audience size is often overvalued. And I know that that's something that was on your list of stuff. But at the same time, like, would you rather have the right hundred people listening or a thousand people listening that are never going to buy anything? I mean, so much. And I think it's too cliche to start. We got to start with the why. All right. Well, everyone says that. But why are you creating content? In the end, you're trying to sell something or and, and even just selling an idea or an opinion is still selling something. So you do have to keep that in mind. Um, Unless unless you're ad supported, in which case you're really just trying to get as many people listening as you can because your inventory is that that attention. 
Yeah. And that's now as someone who also participates in our ad sales here, we are kind of down the funnel as far as like, if we were a true crime podcast, I mean, we could probably have 10 times bigger listener base because there's more people that are interested in hearing that all day. Like for, for example, my wife would listen to serial like all day. And I think after 520 episodes of this show, she's listened to one, uh, you know, and, but it's, it's about what, you know, you appeal to that listener or you don't. So, okay. So the owns media and, and, you know, we mentioned a podcast that's your website. Um, I mean, it really, like, you can't even, you could say you owned your YouTube channel, but then you kind of don't either, like, cause you're in their platform. Uh, technically with the podcast, I mean, I'm highly dependent on the podcast app because our marketing has focused around, I'll give you an example. We talked, we were talking about digital marketing. You want to put as few as few steps as possible on the way to the action that you want. So, you know, we advertise directly to people that are using iPhone because it pops open the podcast app without Facebook or Instagram trying to tell you what a terrible decision you're making by potentially leaving their platform. You know, so that said, you put yourself in a position of, well, how's Trump's Twitter account right now? You know, it's like you get some of these people can turn you off as quick as they can let you build a following. Yeah. All right. Let's 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 move on to the to the shared to the shared stuff, because okay. I want to keep this moving here. So. All right. All right. What, what would you like? What, where do you want to start there, sir? I, you know, I think, again, it's going to track back to analytics, right? It's, you're going to want to take a look at what resonates with your audience and what doesn't. And the interesting thing that I'm seeing, you know, is the introduction of AI in this category. You know, there's a number of new tools out there being called content performance optimization tools that sort of examine long-form content and then actually pull out the share. Uh, there's one I've been playing with that's pretty cool called Lately. And uh, Lately is a tool that basically allows you to put the URL of long-form content into the AI algorithm. And what it does is it actually looks at, for your followers on your social accounts, what type of thing they engage with most. And then it pulls out like a dozen different snippets of recommended shares now, they're not all good to go, but they're, they get you about 85% of the way there. And you might have to tweak one or add a, uh, an app mention to another, but I found it's a very effective way to um, uh, repackage your content, long form own media content for social. And I, I could actually foresee the day when much of the sort of sharing of long form content sort of goes away and becomes automated and integrated into these applications. There's another that I've been playing with a lot called the Ink for All. And Ink for All is a desktop word processor that helps you optimize your content as you create it, right? So rather than creating content and then optimizing it for search or for social, it actually gives you a score both for readability and search visibility as you write and points out how you can create content most likely to engage and most likely to get shared and found through search. There are certain ways that you can analyze an article and figure out where people stop reading. Oh, that sentence is too long. 
oh, that's too complex. I mean, you got to dumb this stuff down. You got to make it scannable. You got to make it easy to consume. And so I think, you know, in terms of building a social following for the clients that I'm working with, after we get own media under wraps and we've got our SEO working, we've got our content strategy and we've got our email marketing, we've got our uh, conversion rate optimization in place and we move into social, you know, we start with an audit, we look at the analytics um, and then we pretty much put together a, a social media uh, uh, dashboard using a product like Lately or Hootsuite and figure out how we're going to fill the funnel, uh, usually with some sort of AI algorithm. You know, I'm not an advocate of of this sort of, you know, you need to share 60 pieces of thing, 60 pieces of day. I never, I haven't heard Vaynerchuk say that, but, you know, he says a lot of things off the cuff. Um, I don't think it's necessarily about, you know, quantity. I think it's about quality. Quality. And I right, tend right. to advocate striking where the iron is hot. So if you don't have evidence of your customers making purchase decisions on that channel, why bother? Right. And you can use monitoring tools to figure it out. Once you know the keywords people are using to discuss the problems you solve, if they're not talking about it on Facebook, what are you wasting your time on Facebook? You know, if you, you can look into your analytics and you can see how much revenue is coming from your traffic source. You can see what, what percentage of, of social traffic converts and drives revenue, what percentage of organic traffic converts and drives revenue. What percentage of referral links, i.e. PR, convert and drive revenue? What percentage of paid media convert and drive revenue? What percentage of email convert and drive revenue? So my feeling is, you know, get your measurement in place first. Get your own media in place first. Then analyze it and look at what's driving convergence and allocate resources accordingly. Too many people take a shared or social media first approach and wind up driving traffic somewhere where they can't convert people. It's ridiculous. Or they invest all their time and energy in, in, in social when the action's in search or the action's in email. And of course, you don't know that if you don't have metrics. Yeah, you know, I, I mean, I fully support that. I, I have, for over a decade, have basically made a living off of blog publication, off of the back end of whatever site for whatever business and we do a whole lot of them uh, overall matt watson that's my business partner our, our, the sites of our companies together all, all collectively get over a million organic visits a month what would a million visits a month do for your site people so there's a couple things we've learned here first off you know i'm taking i'm taking notes here i'm appreciating that we're having a very informed discussion here. Uh, so readability, people beat themselves up about this. They're trying you look, you don't have to win a Pulitzer in your blog, people. Like I see people try, you can create readable content. The average person wants to read it like a middle school level. Like, like and it's just like Eric was saying, dumb it down a little bit. You know, now in certain cases, you may have to, to class it up again if you're talking to people that are highly technical, like, like my business partners, uh, the, the founder of Stackify, they, that's application performance management. That's really in-depth stuff. So they have to dial it up a little bit. But at the same time, you you know, it's, it's got to be readable. It's got to be digestible. It's it, speaking short phrases and not like a 5,000 word paragraph. You know, it's that's the way that people want that, that TLDR, too long didn't read approach 
does matter. Think about your format, make things relatable, throw a picture in every now and then, you know, just do a few things that, that, that really matter. Now, when it comes to if analytics and yet, one thing, if I can please, add please. to that, you know, you can also match your content to different stages of the conversion funnel, right? Mm -hmm. Because we, people start their problem aware, they search their problem, they find some solutions, they become solution aware. They search their solutions, they find some brands, they become brand aware, right? And you can actually tailor into that based on your strategy. Are you the guy who comes in at the last minute and gets them to switch from one brand to another based on price? Is that your strategy? Okay, then you're gonna create bottom funnel content that's optimized for your competitor's brand. Or are you sort of the the, the value leader who, or or the, 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 the person that's known and associated as being the be all end all for solving that problem? then you're going to be top funnel aware. You know, basic readers are top funnel readers. As they get more educated, they become medium funnel readers. Then they become top bottom funnel readers when they're ready to convert. So you, you can almost match the complexity of the content to those different funnel stages. The danger, and I think the mistake most people make, is they try to do it all in one blog post. And that's the mistake, right? You want to segment those in different pieces of content. Could be a blog post, could be gated content, but keep them separate and try to lead them through that sequence from awareness to consideration to evaluation to purchase. Well, speaking of reading, let me try real quick, because once again, today's episode of Startup Hustle is brought to you by Our Crowd. You can learn more about Our Crowd. Go to Our Crowd dot com forward slash hustle. So today you can join our crowds investment and future family. It's a fintech innovator that that's removing the costs and complexity barriers for fertility care as they transform the rapidly growing multi-billion dollar fertility industry. Future families products give everyone the opportunity to build a family of their dreams. Once again, you can get an early on future family and other unique opportunities. Go to ourcrowd.com forward slash hustle. The our crowd account is free. Once again, our crowd dot com forward slash hustle. It's I love the way that startups and other businesses and accredited investors are using tools to do amazing things. And, you know, back to our discussion, we're talking about creating written content, which one thing I've learned. OK, so I've written three books and I know that and I and published just a gazillion blogs and done a whole lot of different stuff. Now, I'm able to write fairly freely like it doesn't it doesn't frighten me or scare me. So many people are just afraid to write anything. And one of the things that I think is really amazing are these tools, like you mentioned. So if you if we said, hey, man, we're going to, uh, Eric, we're going to uh, pre-program our, our digital marketing funnel on Facebook, and we're going to program in our next 50 uh, posts for whatever site. And then we, and so, oh, that seems real easy and that's fun. And then we have to write the copy. And, you know, these kind of tools like you're mentioning and I haven't used lately, I was just playing around the other day with copy.ai, same thing. And just because we were programmed, we were laying our funnel in and, I, and that said, I can spit the lines out all day, but not everyone in the company can. So, you know, there are tools that are going to take the intimidation out. You look at things like Grammarly. And just whatever that fixed the the little imperfections that for some reason made you afraid to write words on, well, we'll say on paper, even though it's digital paper. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of stuff out there that can help you. Now, you were talking about analytics. So you go back to that owned media. One of the things that we do is we always look and see what our top performing art like articles and pages are. 
And then we treat them as digital assets that we want to improve. So we'll right. go back and I've been in a big project doing that. So like the full scale blog where we write about programming and entrepreneurship, you know, my company, I, we help company, other companies build teams of software developers, which is a lot to wade through. So, you know, we go back and we look at like, I, I've been making individual videos for, uh, for our top performing blog articles, which by the way, the top 20% gives 90% of the traffic. So we focus on those. And honestly, sometimes we even trim out the ones that aren't doing anything. You know, we will trim them out. We go back, we look at them, we see if we can repurpose them. I love repurposing stuff. And I love, like, for example, this, I have a whole list of things that we could talk about during this show. And I have a whole list of notes that I'm taking during the show. How easy is it for me to create a reaction video at the end of this and possibly publish that on YouTube? or embed it in a blog or do something. And you know, the, the thing is, is the content and your ability to create it is right in front of you. You gotta think about it, you gotta judge it, you gotta be critical of yourself. And you know, some of that is probably what it takes to get you to our next category. Well, is the next category earned? Are we at earned? We're in earned media now, that's right. So earned media is, is someone else publishing about you, right? Like I literally right before this podcast, I came to learn that I have been uh, nominated for a, a award from Forbes. Oh, congratulations. So, yeah. That's awesome. Well, I didn't win it. I didn't win it yet. They hey, just yeah. sent me, You're someone nominated coming. me, but because I understand the value of earned PR from a publication like that, yeah. Yeah, I sat down and I took some time to give them what they needed, how they wanted it, all of it. So with Earn PR, like, like let's define that a little further first. So okay. I'll let you go ahead. So, so let me talk about what, what Earn Media used to be. Earn Media used to be just getting covered in the press. Yeah. Right? Could be print, could be electronic, could be radio, could be TV, whatever. Um, but now Earn Media is a little bit of a broader net than it used to be. You see. Something crazy happened. Craigslist decimated the newspapers of their classified advertising. And Google, you know, kicked mainstream media's ass with pay-per-click. And what happened was a lot of the media targets that were out there to pitch are gone. Right? But in fact, there's actually more people to pitch now because in addition to all those ad-supported media, there's all these folks like you and like me and like other companies that have blogs. Think about the HubSpot blog. I mean, what a what a high authority blog. It's You get a backlink from that. It's fantastic, right? So there's other outlets now that are not conventional media ad supported, right? And you can go after them with guest posts because at the end of the day, what most people are looking for from earned media is a backlink, Granted, you're going to get some visibility and you're going to get the implied endorsement. And that's all valuable, too, from a branding standpoint. But the backlink is what's going to make you Google's preferred brand in perpetuity. And when somebody's searching for solving a problem, you know, they're a more qualified prospect than someone who's just consuming media. So so really, that's what it's all about. It's about figuring out where you need to be from a backlink standpoint and getting those links and often that's no longer pitching the media to write about you. That's writing about 
something interesting from a thought leadership standpoint yourself and getting it published in a third party outlet. The tougher it is to get published on a third party outlet, the more valuable that backlink is. A lot of people think, oh, well, you know, Forbes is terrific, entrepreneurs terrific, but it's actually not. They're very promiscuous outlets. Anybody yep. for a hundred bucks can buy a post on Forbes. So it's really what, what Google's looking for is those sites that exercise editorial oversight and decide and ferret out. If it's just something like consumer generated where you can sign up and post yourself, that doesn't count. And a lot of people get snookered into thinking, oh, I'll hire these guys and they're going to get me a bunch of backlinks. But really, they're just going to sell you a link from a blog network that they own, or they're going to give you a link from a link farm that they control, or they you know, have a way, they know somebody who's got an account on Forbes and can post there and get you a backlink there. And it's really not so much the domain you want the backlink from, it's the page. It's the page on the domain. Is it an influential page? So when you think about earned media, you're talking about real media outlets, you know, media outlets that are staffed with journalists and reporters who decide what they're going to cover and what they're not going to cover. And how are you going to get covered by those guys, right? That's really what PR is about. PR is about finding the nexus between the problem you solve and the news of the day. How does what you do dovetail with the news of the day? Because if it's not news, it's not new and it's not going to get covered. Right. So you ask yourself, what makes news? Is it useful? Is it happening nearby in close proximity? Is it something novel? Is it innovative? You know, those are things that make news. And someone who's really good at PR is also an, an avid consumer of news and understands how to package content in a way that's going to work for a journalist. If it's too difficult for a journalist to get their armors around it and write the story, they're not going to write the story because they got to get that story filed today. So you can't give them thick topics. You've got to parse them down. You've got to make them easy to digest. You've got to give them the people that they're going to interview and you got to line up the story for them so that it's easy peasy. You, you just, you, you stole my statements there, Eric, at the end, because there's you know a few things. And if you're a journalist, ignore earmuffs, put them on. Because I find that the modern journalist is kind of lazy to be honest, they want these package stories delivered to them and a whole bunch of, bunch of other stuff that comes with it. Now that's okay. So don't hate me journalists and, and please write about me still, but it, it kind of like Eric was saying, you got to go after these things. Like you earn PR. I hear a lot of people say, well, I I'm never in this. I'm never in that. How did this person do it? They'd probably just asked or they hired a publicist that went out and said, hey, you should consider doing a story on these guys or this woman or this business for these reasons. They're usually very simple. They're straightforward. And it essentially comes with a bow on it. You know, yeah, like you make bow. it very, very, very easy for the interview, for the pictures, for whatever it is that they want to then decide if you are, if you have earned that possible PR. Go ahead. And sir. that bow is what we call a news peg. It's the news of the day. So how does what you do or what you have to say help or, or, or relate to what's going on now? Why should I talk to your guy now? There's a million people who want to talk to me and be in my story. Why you? Why today? And in terms of the whole lazy thing, it's really more just 
economics, right? They've got to fill either a TV show or radio show or a newspaper with content so that they can sell space to advertisers. And they've got to do it every day. So they've got to get those stories done and filed on a deadline. If a story is too thick, it doesn't work for them. It's a feature story. Feature stories aren't news. Feature stories are evergreen. You got a feature to sell. Well, it's going to take you a lot longer to sell it. And you're going to go to long form media for that. You're going to go to the New Yorker. There's less of them. You're going to go to the Atlantic. You're going to go somewhere where they do features. Or you'll go to a news outlet that has a feature editor, but that stuff gets gets planned months in advance. So, you know, it's really about understanding who to deliver the message to and how to package it. So I, I sometimes people have a hard time telling you what's awesome about them. Um, I'm not one of them. I'm awesome, Eric. So I'm, I'm I'm ready to say that. But when you approach our NPR, you need to be, you need to like, whether it's you or whomever, I personally think when it comes to finding our NPR, it's better to have someone besides yourself present it to the, to the news media or to whoever you're trying rather than like, Hey, you know, I'm this guy, like you should probably write about me. Look how cool I am. But you have to, you have to really you know, like, why are you awesome? Why is your company awesome? Why is your message awesome? Why is your organization awesome? And do it in a way that's palatable. Like, you know, the, look, the, they want to write about heroes or villains. If you put yourself in the middle, eh, you're boring, you know? So like, what are you doing that's changing a community, changing a vibe? I don't know. There's a zillion different things. Now, if you, uh, is it still earned PR if they're hating on you? Uh, you know, there are some people who say there's uh, there's no such thing as bad press. Uh, you know, I, I mean, I think it today in today's sort of infodemic world we live in, where there's so much information and there's really a deficit of trust. People don't know where to turn for accurate information anymore because there's so much misinformation out there. I think you could yeah. make the argument that all press is good press because people don't remember anyways. And there's such so much information that at the end of the day, if they just remember you, that's good enough. But I guess it would really depend on sort of what you're trying to promote yourself for, what your objectives are. At the end of the day, it all gets back to objectives. If you're a media company and you sell advertising, there's no press, like there's no such thing as bad press because you just want more exposure. If you're uh, someone who wants to be an elected official, uh, there could be some really bad press that could kill your prospects of that. Um, if you're a brand that wants to be known as a trustworthy brand, well, I could see, you know, some bad media hurting you there. Uh, but if you're, uh, I don't know, a, uh, I mean, even those fast food brands that have these blips with uh, contamination in their food, ultimately, it doesn't really hurt them. You remember the Motrin Moms incident? There I believe was a, so. Um, there was a backlash. They did an ad uh, about uh, how moms who wear the slings with their baby on them um, have back pain and should take Motrin. And there was a backlash of a bunch of moms saying, how could you say that about us? We love our babies. And, you know, it was kind of ridiculous. And at the end of the day, you know, there was this huge social media backlash. It, it didn't affect sales and it didn't affect their stock. So really, at the end of the day, it didn't matter. So really, it does what you have to be able to do. And it's why I advocate it in step one uh, in own media. You've got to be able to measure. You've got to be able to measure impact. If you can't measure impact, it's all guesswork and you don't know. By the way, if anybody's interested, I've written up my whole 
uh, uh, approach in a white paper that you can download at ericschwartzman.com forward slash uh, uh, pivot dash guide. We'll, we'll put a link in the show notes for that. So, and you know, I was look, I was looking at that before we got on uh, to record. Um, hey, folks, listen, listen, what Eric's talking about. This dude knows what he's saying. You know, I mean, it's a, and and this is the thing is you don't have to go out and there are people that have done and are doing what you want to do. I love this golden age of just info. You know, like uh, so I've dropped out of five colleges. I might be a junior in college now. I don't know. I don't really care. I'm not going back. I I got my degree from the School of Hard Knocks through Google.com. I mean, literally, if I, you know, it's like, it, it Google it, people. It's out there. There's a YouTube video or a Google article or something out there somewhere. All right. So this has been great, man. And you talk about the agile nature. We I had a completely different set list prepared, and I'm glad we aren't using it because this is a fresh take on a lot of this. And I think this is going to be very valuable. If you're enjoying what you're hearing today, go check out Eric's stuff. Look, there's a link in the show notes. We'll make it easy for you. Uh, clearly a thought leader in the subject. And, you know, before we get into the foundational elements, one, one more bit of reading from me here. So I, I once again, want to give a big thanks to ourcrowd.com for helping us bring you today's episode you can go to ourcrowd.com forward slash hustle to learn more about their investment platform and how accredited investors are using the platform to invest direct, directly, easily, and early. Um, there's a solution out there for so many things. You got to look for it. Now, speaking of looking for it, I'm looking for an answer from you on what foundational is. Uh, so the foundational uh, elements of digital marketing um, are one, the analytics, but two, you know, and this is something digital market people don't talk about. It's about the stack. It's about <laughs> automation and it's about funnels. So have you ever been to uh, Universal Studios? I have. So you drive through the backlot tour and you see how they've sort of built these fronts of buildings right against these sound stages. They're fake buildings, right? If you, if I was to say, hey, come on over to my my store and uh, let's have a meeting, and you walked in and it wasn't, it had no finished interior, there was no plumbing, nowhere to go to the bathroom, no lights, you'd turn around and leave, right? But that's how most small and mid-sized businesses think about their website. They think, oh, I'm just going to put up a facade and I'm in business. No, no. What you're doing is you're building the presentation layer of your digital business, right? You've got to have forms, right? Those forms have to feed into a customer relationship management system, a CRM, so that you can build a sales pipeline, right? You've got to be able to delegate those sales out to people in your sales team who can score leads based on digital activity, right? So you need lead scoring, right? And if a deal right? Becomes a sale. You need a way to pass that customer information over to the folks in uh, the finance department so they can invoice it, right? And then it's got to get passed over to ops so they can perform the work, right? So it's really about an integrated set of tools that a website's a part of that make a digital business, right? 
when you pivot, right, you don't pivot to a facade, you pivot to a working functional building, right, with plumbing and, and with electricity and, and with everything you need to be comfortable there. You wouldn't hire a plumber to do your electrical, right? So don't expect the guy who builds your website to SEO it. It's going to be somebody else. The foundational skills are digital insights, interoperable stacks, figuring out which software solutions are right for you. And then none of them are going to work off the shelf. They've got to be configured, right? They've got to be set up. You've got to program some automation in there so people know what to do with leads when they come in, right? And then you've got to start to optimize funnels on your site so there's a path to purchase. Um, once you've done that, you get into SEO so you understand how to put a strategy together based on keywords. That is the foundational side of digital marketing. And then after that, you get into the laws of virality, email marketing, content marketing, blogging, podcasting, digital PR, and last but not least, lead generation, right? That really is. So those are the specialties. I think if you want to specialize, get good at the fundamentals first. If you don't understand what a stack is, and how what you do contributes to the overall value of the organization from a bottom line standpoint, you can't you, you can't play, you can't really participate. You're certainly not gonna have a seat at the boardroom table because you don't understand the big picture. So it's better, I think, to get that in order first, then get into your SEO, and then you think about the specialties. So I think it would be fair to say that if someone's listening and they don't have a mastery of many of the things that we talked about, that all this just felt overwhelming. So just because, you know, it's a, it's like you get the paralysis analysis to too many things, too many options. So I just don't do anything. I think folks, you got to just, let's start by doing something like there's a, we covered a whole lot of good stuff here. Uh, you look at something like the blog, Okay, that's kind of like the original social media. That was around before Facebook and a whole lot of other stuff. I mean, start there. Find something that plays to the strength and interest of what you want to do. Now, I jokingly say that I have a face made for radio. So podcasting was good for me. But really, in the end, it just fit well with like my own personality, my own desire, my own interests. And it offered a level of accessibility to get other people on like Eric to talk about stuff. So, you know, there's so many different things you can do. There's so many different things you shouldn't do. Find something, start to get good at it. Use the tools that are available that are out there. And there's so many. Oh, my God. I mean, there's so many. And start chasing some of this stuff down. Now, I end my episodes of start a puzzle. And I say my episodes, cause I'm not the only host of the show on Tuesdays and Thursdays, you can join Andrew or Lauren to learn more about Amazon and e-commerce or all of the things that are going on at innovate her. Also come check out start a puzzle TV, our new web series about entrepreneurship live on the YouTube starting February 1st. Pretty excited about that and expecting some earned media as a result of that here locally and maybe in some other places. So I end my episodes with Founders Freestyle and I would like to, I'm going to actually, if I could steer you, Eric, and what is the best advice that you can give to a startup 
when it comes to digital marketing. I know we have a whole lot of it, but if we get one little snippet, you get one shot to give a, a startup founder some advice about their future digital marketing. Okay, so, first thing, so what I would say to a startup is don't be overwhelmed by it because it's not overwhelming. It's just the way business is done now, right? This is the reality now. This is the way business happens. If you look at the people who outperform, they understand this stuff. And you can too. It's not that difficult. Um, you know, in my book, The Digital Pivot, uh, you know, it's 250 pages. It walks you through the whole thing from beginning to end. You understand stacks, automation, funnels, email. Uh, the reason I wrote the book, honestly, is because there's so many books out there. Who has time to read a freaking library, right? So I wrote sort of the one definitive overview book for the small to mid-sized business that wants to get their arms around this stuff in one read. Um, and you can start by just going to ericschwartzman.com forward slash uh, digital dash pivot and download the white paper. And that'll sort of walk you through the basics. Um, so, so that's what I would say. And I would say, don't just go launch a blog. Don't just go watch a podcast. Get yourself educated first. Get some purpose, man, because you're going to be flailing in the wind. It's competitive out there. So figure out what you want to do, get a strategy, get a stack and do it, right? Don't just try this and see the, see what works because you're going to be flailing in the wind. And by the way, while you're flailing in the wind, everyone else is eating your lunch and getting stronger. So I would say, get yourself educated before you get started. Get yourself some 360 knowledge. Man, this is great, Eric. I want to thank you for joining me. And, and clearly you have become a master at this stuff. I love the the own shared, earned, and foundational components. I think that that begins to I love the Maslow's uh the Maslow's comparison there. Cause if you don't have air, food, or shelter, self-actualization isn't probably what you're going to be real concerned about. And you know, I actually uh, wrote about some of that in my book, Balance Me, just because self-actualization, life balance, I mean, some of that stuff feels like a myth, and it's not something that you hang on to permanently. And I think the same thing goes to your digital marketing strategy. You have to continue to adjust. You have to continue to look for new trends and, and just, I don't know, where's it at? You know, what's working, what's not. If you don't have any analytics on that, you don't have any data, you are sh you're in the gymnasium in the dark shooting baskets, wondering why they're not going in. And it's, I mean, it's pretty simple. Like I said, there's a lot of people out there like Eric that have great content, want to help show you the way. Speaking of which, man, you get you got my head full of so many different things, man. I'm going to need to get out of here because I got to get to work on, I don't know, I'm just going to, I'm going to probably not follow any of the instructions because that's usually how I roll, but um, I'll, I'll eventually figure out that it isn't the right approach and, and get my arms around something bigger and better. I'll see you next time, Eric. Hey, great. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time.